All right, welcome in for the Sweet 16 episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I am AJ Hoffman. You're not hearing RJ Bell's voice. Crazy, right? You, you heard the intro music, and it's like, where, where the hell's RJ? Uh, just Fez and I today. I got mistaken for RJ the other Did day. you? By who? Um, ben, who has his own... Um, sports information site, and I was walking through the Westgate, and he goes, RJ. I was like, hmm. Talked to him, <laughs> sharp guy, talked to him for eight minutes, good dude. But I was like, that's never happened before. <laughs> it's a, and physically, the two of you almost couldn't be more different. Well, Mackenzie would be more different. That's true, but only because he's black. This situation reminds me, I'm just going to ignore this <laughs> racial tone and move on. The question, it reminds me a lot of the Simpsons line, you're close. But you're way off. He yeah. was close, but he wasn't very close. <laughs> That's not very close at all. Maybe RJ and I would be the most different physically, the two of us. Yes, I can see that. I can. Um, I don't know when I in McKenzie when we're playing chess. I ask him, you know, do you want to be white or black? And he gives me a dirty look. Oh, <laughs> I want to go first. What do you mean? <laughs> I can't. I can't sacrifice my bishop on move five as black. <laughs> Fair enough. And and Mackenzie, I don't. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you think that this is good, there's um, gosh, there's Joe Christmas. Can you query what what novel Joe Christmas is on? Just query Joe Christmas um, in terms of a light in August. Main protagonist Joe Christmas. Light in August. It, it, the book is called Light in August. Yeah. Okay, so they're, 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 I don't know if he is, is the term mulatto. Yes, that is a that is a term. For I can't a black and I can't read this is from girl. high school AP English, but my sister had a friend and he and he entitled his novel or his essay on the on that book. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, and Joe Christmas I believe was like a mulatto, and so the, the, he he won like best title to a. See if <laughs> if RJ were here, he'd play the song right now and all that good stuff. That's the thing we certainly miss RJ for that reason because he would play McKenzie's theme music right now, which you didn't know is Paul Anka's version of Nirvana "Smells Like Teen Spirit." I, I did not know. Pulling that. behind the curtain here. There you go. All, all right, right, that's all I got on that. Let's go. With, let's let's go. On. Let's. We've got eight games to get through. Four for Thursday. Four for Friday. Uh, and Fez, I know you prefer rotation order. That's where it's, no, it's it's your pod. I know. Today you're it, you're the captain. You know what? McKenzie asked me at the beginning, of the, like at the beginning of the day, we we were both in pretty early, and uh, McKenzie said, "Are we doing uh, chronological order again?" And I said, "You know, that's what makes sense to me." But RJ said, "This is the last time we're ever doing chronological order." So I, I was like, well, I guess go rotation. It will go rotation order. First, you wanted to talk about uh, you wanted to talk some restaurants. I know that like we're not going to get bogged down on Zeppelin for ten minutes, but like this is something that you and I have in common, or we both like to eat food. I was very pleased to hear you went downtown, old Las Vegas, mm-hmm. downtown Las Vegas, and some of the very best restaurants um, that get hyped are on the Strip. But I find the value in terms of um, how good is the meal and how much does it cost. It's still expensive in the gourmet rooms downtown, 
but I find that those are the best bang for your buck and the best service. And you went to one of my favorites, uh, local favorite at the Golden Nugget, correct? Yeah, Golden Nugget. Vic and Anthony's is the uh, the place. There's one in Houston, so I've I've been to that one. Uh, there's one in Lake Charles, Louisiana, which I've been to because Tillman Fertitta owns a Nugget mm-hmm. out in Lake Charles as well and lives in Houston. But I'd never been to the one out here. Very good. Very very fine meal. Yes, and downtown... Although not a value meal, certainly. Yeah, and, and so downtown, Diamo's in the D, everyone raves about it. I've been there. It is exceptional. Um, Circa has some very good restaurants. Um, they say Oscars in the Union Plaza is a really good experience, you know, t- to go there. So, and um, an old standby in this cellar, Hugo Cellar, which is in the, the basement of the Four Queens, yep. is an excellent, excellent um, old school place to go to as well. And one on the strip. It's Hugo Cellar. Is it a steakhouse? Yes. Okay. Yes. And the one on, on on the strip, I always talk about old school, would be Circus Circus, the steakhouse. You're going through the circus, and you're like, oh, Fez has lost his mind. There can't be a good steakhouse in this place. And it's actually exceptional, the steakhouse at Circus Circus. Okay. Ambiance um, on the strip, the one place, uh, the, the win – the SW used to be Steve stood for Steve Wynn. I don't know if it still does. <laughs> Did they still yeah. call it SW Steakhouse? If you can get a table late in the spring that like is facing the Lake of Dreams, half outside, half in, inside, with the panels, uh, the, you know the the doors open. It, that's just a phenomenal food and an overall experience. Okay, well, I've got a lot of places to hit up. I've I've hit up several since I've been here, but um, I, I, there's still there, there's a lot. There there are a lot of options, a lot of dining options in this city. Which oh, we're I going love. to the Bacchanal buffet one time. That's that's the best buffet right now in town at Caesars. It's just decadent beyond belief. Okay, well, I'm I'm certainly down. All right, let's get into the games. We'll start. With rotation order 623-624, that is Houston and Arizona. Arizona, minus one and a half. Uh, This is one of the games that I've seen. Like, There's certainly a sharp side and a square side on this game. So, And and everyone seems to be, all the sharp guys I know seem to be on Arizona, or excuse me, on Houston. And it's, it's giving me a little bit of pause, honestly. Because like once everybody starts talking about something, I, uh, I I don't like it as much, um, and I'll be honest. Arizona it was a team that I thought going into this tournament was the second best team in the country. I'm not sure that that's the case anymore. Um, but I, I'll let you I'll let you go first, then I'll give you my thoughts on the game itself. Yeah, I'm not too concerned when the wise guys I know are on the side. Um, do a little hot dog and a little showboating. So I'm seven one and one in the tournament. Yeah. And I got to tell you, most of those plays have not been Fez contrarian plays. They've been plays where I and my group of people all like them and aligned on them, and they've done very well. So we do like Houston here. You know, I'm just looking to fade teams on the West Coast. This has been historically bad in terms of how the major conferences out West have done in their performances. Mountain West, well-publicized, 0-4. Pac-12, when not playing a team from the West Coast as well. They're 0-4 against the spread. The West Coast Conference, 1-3 against the spread. So that's a uh, that's a 1-11 against the spread on the major West Coast Conference teams. Okay, Cal State Fullerton did cover. New Mexico State did play well, but they play in a conference that has all these teams from the center of the country. And this kind of makes sense to me. Pre- 
uh, conference, a lot of these teams on the West Coast are playing other West Coast teams, and I'm going to make the case the entire West Coast just got, for whatever reason, not enough of a sample size against the rest of the country. They got overrated because those teams have absolutely come up dry, including Arizona, and now I've got you know Houston playing really, really great basketball, and Arizona, they should have gotten beaten by TCU. And the refs, obviously, at the end game helped out Arizona. I think the fact that the refs were able to help them so much in that game, now there's almost like a little bit of a back a backlash. Wow, that was ref aided. I don't think that Houston's going to have to play this game eight against five like poor uh, TCU had to. Uh, Arizona non-conference. There, the 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 games that they really pushed themselves in uh, a neutral win against Michigan. A neutral win against Wichita State, which ended up not being as good uh, by the end of, of the season. A road win at Illinois, which is a good win, and a, a four-point loss at Tennessee. So th- they are one of the exceptions of, of teams that went out of conference and, and pushed themselves some. And I, and do I think they were better in in December and January. They and Gonzaga were clearly the best team of well, the country. I also think it's important to, to consider that they played one game in this tournament without their point guard and one where their point guard clearly shouldn't have been on the floor. I and mean, now he'll probably be 70%. Do you, saw, do you see pictures of the guy's leg? I, I would have amputated it. Yeah, uh, but we, we talked last week. Your guy your guy gave us an update. Uh, an insider gave us an update and said he was like 60% to play the second game. And it looks like they should have gone with the 40% and just sat him out that game. He, I mean, honestly, if he didn't play that game, I think they handled TCU pretty pretty easily. I, I think that he was a, that big of a negative mm. for them. Here's the, the part that scares me, though, uh, if I'm Arizona. I, I, like I said, I, I, I feels like, wow, point and a half with the second best team in the country. But the struggles that Arizona had keeping TCU off the offensive glass, TCU had 20 offensive rebounds in that game. They're the best offensive rebounding team in the country. So you knew that that was going to be something that that was highlighted. Well, Houston's the third best offensive rebounding team in the country. So it's, it's absolutely replicable in this situation. And even though Houston doesn't have great size on, on the defensive end, because Arizona does have great size everywhere. They attack you. They make you uncomfortable. That said, there are, like, for Arizona, it's going to be key for their wings to, to open up the middle of this defense, to, for their dribble to, to, to open up the defense, um, unpack it, if you will. And that's something that you can do against Houston. Um, Arizona is not like Illinois, though, and we saw Houston exploit Illinois with ball screens, and it put it, and that's what everybody does: put Illinois in pick and roll, get Kofi away from the basket. Well, easy, easy buckets. It, that doesn't happen against Arizona. Uh, their true weakness on offense, Arizona, is turnover rate. They turn the ball over a lot, and Houston will cause turnovers, particularly if their point guard is. Damaged, which this last game he was clearly click. This is the worst game he's played all year. He's one of ten from the field. It was it couldn't it couldn't be worse this week because there's no way to get worse than mm-hmm. what he was. So there's a lot of advantages for for Houston that I'm seeing here, and I totally understand why 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 people like Houston in this matchup. I just can't get there on 
the principle that I, I think Arizona is still a much better team. And I don't want I, I don't want to sell Arizona and then watch them show up fully healthy, you know, on Thursday and be like, what was I thinking? Um, Game's so, in San Antonio. Game is in San Antonio. What's the venue? In San uh, it'll be the Alamo Dome. Oh, so bad. Uh, yeah. So it's a, it, but it's a Arizona travels. Like Arizona's got one of the best traveling contingencies in the country. Like they, sure. their fan base travels. They're also incredibly obnoxious, but they travel. But there's the crowd will still be a pro Houston crowd too. I would think so. Third, right? Yeah, I, I would think it's a pro Houston crowd. Um, so that that's yeah, I, I, I agree with that. It's I wouldn't say two third, one third because there's I mean there'll be some some Michigan and, and Nova fans as well. Aren't they gonna? But, aren't they gonna root for you know the underdog? Houston? I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I, I, I mean, possibly. Yeah, you might be right. You may, you may be right that they would do that. But, uh, but I just can't. I can't jump off this Arizona train right now. I feel like I'd be selling them low and buying Houston high, and that just feels dumb to mm. me. Uh, I I totally get it. Uh, it's a, a the game is a total pass for me. I think if it's uh, an under game, that's great news for Houston. I think if it's an over game. That's bad news for Houston, um, it, it, and that's one thing that Houston does as well. They're not going to let Arizona get out and run in transition. Like it, that's what Arizona wants to do. Mm-hmm. That it, it that's something that TCU didn't let them do because they're so good at offensive rebounding. When you're that good at offensive rebounding, you you don't let Arizona get out in space because out in space Arizona is better than just about anybody. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's a there are a lot of good matchups here for the Cougs. So I see totally while you're doing it. Uh, it's just it's a pass for me altogether. Speaking of uh, all the sharps being uh, on it one way or the other, let's get a best bet from our guy Dave Essler, who's on this game. On Thursday, I bet Houston plus one and a half over Arizona. For starters, the Cougars are way better than a five seed. In fact, they've played a similar strength of schedule as Arizona, and their defense is ranked higher. Their offense is 10th in efficiency, Arizona's 7th. So again, no huge separation on paper. And on paper, as the fourth youngest team in the nation, as a result, Arizona can be turnover prone. In fact, TCU turned them over 16 times. Houston creates turnovers. And the more the Cougars have the ball, the more they can play to the pace they prefer. Houston's the third best offensive rebounding team in the nation. Again, the more Houston has the ball, the better. It's a new venue for Arizona, and this game is a bigger environment, bigger stakes. Not only is San Antonio just three hours from the Cougars campus, all five Houston starters went to the Final Four last year, so huge experience edge, Houston. The tangibles and the intangibles agree that the wrong team is favored, so I bet the Cougars plus one and a half. So there you go, Essler and you aligned on this one. Did you did you guys talk about this game? He's on my list that I give okay, out. So okay. after I sent it, he did say, oh, I've... He likes that one too. Yes. Although I did that with you last week, I like one of my my favorite one of my favorite bets of the weekend was the Gonzaga over uh, against Memphis and you, yeah, you sent us that text and I was like, oh yeah, cosine. This is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, another example of the sharps agreeing and winning. Uh, yeah, yes. you know, yep. That's but the, is the sharp side the over in a Gonzaga game? It can be. Or were we just the right side? I, I think sometimes, but you see the difference. Like when I say Arizona uh, is minus, is uh, Houston's plus one and a half against a team that's lauded as like the, one of the best teams in the country. A five seed is plus one and a half against a one seed. 
that's a sharp play to say, I like Houston. I like the dog. Yes. Here. And and the sharpest book in the world, uh, in my opinion, bookmaker, opened that game pick them. So they had Oof. no they had no problem with people come, you know, go ahead and, you know, give me, give me, give me some Arizona pick them. Sure, you got Arizona. Yeah, all you need, Bubba. There you go. All you need. All Want right. Some more? Six two five, six two six in rotation order is Michigan and Villanova. Villanova, a five-point favorite here. I'm going to lean to Villanova. Obviously, big coaching edge, uh, fundamentally sound team, tournament tested over the past few years. And basically, Michigan, I think, has gotten a dream draw. If for a team that wasn't supposed to get into the tournament, the committee, they, uh, they did Michigan a whole lot of favors, let them play in Indianapolis in the same venue they played the Big Ten um, conference um, tournament in when they lost Indiana. So they they had all the sight lines, everything else. They had the crowd of Indianapolis. And look at who they got to play. Colorado State, last I checked, they play in the, the Mountain West. That's yes, the team 0-4 uh, straight up and against the spread. And they got to play a team from the, the SEC, uh, Tennessee, that would be. Although I don't, no, in hindsight, it's easy to say this, but no one thought that Tennessee was like a team that you wanted to draw. That's right, but but I will say this: if if I can play, if I could pick two conferences that I want to play games against based upon how they performed, well, any anybody from the West Coast certainly, but especially the Mountain West, which absolutely just vomited all over themselves with four bids and bageled, and the SEC has greatly underperformed. So Michigan getting to play in the heart of Big Ten country in a venue they're used to against those two conferences certainly was a positive, not taking anything away. They played impressive, especially with their point guard, you know, being injured against Colorado State. They have exceeded expectations, but there was a lot of, you know, uh, a good nature to their draw as well. Yeah, this is an interesting matchup here because on on one side – Michigan has a lot of the same advantages they did in that Colorado State matchup where basically Nova doesn't really have a real big to stop Hunter Dickinson. And that's what I I mean, you saw in that Colorado State game, the the offense was this dribble up the court, throw the ball to Hunter Dickinson and watch him turn to the basket and basically lay it in. And it worked all night long. He's got. Elite size, great touch around the basket. He's a, he's almost three points down How there. How tall is he? Seven one. Mm-hmm. So and Colorado had a six foot six guy. Why on can't him. Edie do that? He looks so clumsy, like Herman Munster uh, for Ed, Purdue. Edie does do that. I mean, <laughs> he does he does it. But it's, you know what I'm he, saying. But he's seven four. Yeah. He's, I think once you get over seven one. You just look funny. Okay. Like it's just you you can't not you like you can't be smooth looking at seven Fair four. Fair enough. But speaking of Zach Eady, when Zach Eady played Purdue, twenty one points, nine of twelve shooting in mm. a six point win for the Boilermakers. So I they don't have what it takes to stop him inside. But on the other end, Nova's got great guards that can can like back you down, mm-hmm. Michigan's got no answer for that. They can run pick and roll on Hunter Dickinson, and Hunter Dickinson will be lost, absolutely lost, on that end of the floor. So, really, what they anybody who's tried drop coverage against Villanova has failed. The, like Unless you've got an elite big defensively, and Hunter Dickinson's not elite defensively. So, I, I don't think that, I don't think they have any answers on that end for him. 
Villanova's got a lot of advantages in here, so I can't quite get to Michigan plus five. But because Dickinson's going to – I think that he'll score at will in this game. It, it's going to end up being a pass for me. I, if anything, I like the over in this game. The, the, the total on this game right now sitting at 135, I think there's value in that, even though – the initial thought is, well, Villanova's a snail. Villanova, they, you know, it's a, a, they're one of the slowest teams in the country, and they are. But I, I think that they are going to, they're going to give up a lot of easy baskets to Dickinson, and they're going to want to keep up with the offense. So I, I think over is the way I'm looking for this game. And I'm going to go ahead and pass it. Let me ask you this: If you are in Las Vegas, and we of course are doing our podcast, and we have a view right off of the Las Vegas Strip here, uh, where what? book should you be betting the sides in the Sweet 16, do you know? I don't know. Where's the uh, where's the value lying? Uh, the place that doesn't allow me to bet, the South Point. But I don't I don't care because I just give the viewers, the, the listeners, the best advice I can, and that's an outstanding promotion, minus 105, that they're offering. So, like, think about this. With everyone dealing the same line, it makes you wonder, why does any book take any substantial bet. I get it. You're betting $20. Sure. Um, hey, I've been known to like pull up to a gas station, you know, and, and I'm paying extra 10 cents for gas, you know, versus driving someplace else. But like, if you look at, if you're betting a thousand dollars on something, your expectation from that's to lose what? $45, four and a half percent is the household at minus one Oh five. You cut it in half and it's, you should lose $22. So it's, it's like, it's, if you're betting a thousand dollars on something, it's worth $23 to bet it at the South point versus somewhere else. $23 is significant enough that you can go ahead and hop in your car. Gas is high right now, Fez. $23? It's like, <laughs> what, what, what are you driving? You're a, a recreation vehicle you know, from, from Henderson to, 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 to get there versus you know, a closer book. So um, absolutely, if you're a big better, you know, take advantage of the minus 105 at the South. That's very wise. Uh, one more note on that total. Going back to that Purdue game where it was Zach Eady versus Villanova, and but Purdue's defense is worse than Michigan's, so it's not apples to apples, but it it's not it's not way off to say that Mich- Michigan's defense significantly worse than their offense. Oh, the South Point does have a property in in Summerlin if you're on that part of town at the Rampart, which is a very nice property. They've got the minus 105 as well. I'm sure that they have have that 99.9 percent sure. Yes, but that Purdue game, Purdue had 1.33 points per possession. Nova had 1.23. So uh, uh, more numbers that make me like the over in this mm. game. So. All right, let's go to 627-628. Any concern about the Alamo Dome and the backdrops? Um, Big stadiums not conducive to overs. You know what? You're right. Uh, But Villanova, because they are such a good shooting team, even if they have some regression – like how much is it? They're the best shooting team in the country. Mm. Like how how far are they going to regress? And then Purdue – they get a lot from three, but I'm counting. Or excuse me, Michigan. They they don't get a lot from three. I'm counting mostly all of their offense coming right there at the basket. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Dickinson Diabate. Those are the two guys that are that are making things happen. Would that more benefit Michigan? That the fact that the the, the backdrop's probably sure. going to hurt those. The, you know, sure, the but like I said, you're going to see a lot of these guards backing down Michigan defenders, mm-hmm. and there, I think there could be easy baskets on both ends. A lot of cutting for Michigan because I I would say shooting matters less in this game than most games, most Villanova games for sure, mm. uh, and then also the way that Villanova can play against uh, Michigan. Villanova should be at the line quite a bit, and if that's the case, Villanova is the best free throw shooting team in the country as well. Those are all things that add up to me for the over. I also like the fact I haven't seen Jay Wright do any 
any commercials lately? Whenever no. I see like lots of commercials from, I think he only does those the year after he wins a championship. Yeah. So like I, I was uh, in terms of call me this to be completely square as busy as coach K is, how does he find time to do the commercial with Lily? Mm. Mm-hmm. Not focused, know. not well, focused. I tell you what, I, I'm available to do a commercial with Lily. I'm sure you are. Okay. Six. You probably get one of those knockoffs that pretends to be Lily. Isn't that funny that they do that? She's so popular that there's a commercial where she's not there and she's still, still the star. Well, the one. what about the one with Zoe Deschanel where they're like, oh, a lot of people get us confused. and She's she, not. Everyone had the same reaction. You are not Lily. No. <laughs> you're like uh you're like deflated Lily. You're like waif Lily. You know why you know why Lily is so popular is that Yes, but I can't say it on this podcast. I, I, no, I can say I, I can say it without getting in trouble. Okay. It's because Lily Healthy thick. She, 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 she like like if you see like Pamela Anderson or someone that's like what in her prime, that's like someone that like well, she's not like human. She won't talk to me. But like everyone had a friend like in high school or college that was like um, they see so they dummy Lily down in the commercials. Yes, she just looks like a little you know girl next door. You know, seven and a half, eight. Sometimes they give her bad hair. Exactly on purpose. On purpose. Yeah, <laughs> because now it's like, oh, that, I remember. I you know, I I went out a couple times with a girl like, that that looked like Lily. Like like yeah, it, it hits that sweet. It's spot. relatable. Exactly versus. No, no, I, I got to be like um, Tommy Lee to be with with this yeah. girl. Everybody and I'm thinks not like Tommy Lee. Everybody thinks they could get a chick kind of like Lily mm-hmm. until you see what the actress who plays Lily looks right. like when she's not <laughs> in AT and T commercials, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, no, that could never happen for me ever. She wouldn't even trust me to walk her dog. No. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's go to six two seven six two eight Arkansas and Gonzaga. Gonzaga, nine-point favorites, a 155 total. So SEC, we talked about this. Their one is gone, their two is gone, and their three is gone. It's like that game Stratego. You know, you lost your general, your commander, whatever the three guy is, and you're left with a captain or whatever four is. Can you look that up, Mackenzie? I can't recall their ranks. The, well, bo- the bottom line is um, how... Are you, is Arkansas going to keep advancing when the good teams, the really good teams, didn't? The whole conference looks to have been a little bit overrated. I don't want to lay nine. I, it's a complete pass here. Yeah, I actually like Gonzaga here. Uh, I think Gonzaga had one. There's a lot. Of, and RJ said this on Straight Out of Vegas the other day. He's like, why, why aren't you down on Gonzaga? Well, Gonzaga was the number one overall seed who instead of playing a 16 seed, played a team that should have been a 14 seed. Mm -hmm. And they didn't cover by one point. Got their ass kicked in the first half. Didn't even have the lead. Nope. But they still won by 21 points. There was a point where Gonzaga was only minus 800 to win the game. Oh, well. Well, Did you jump on it? I did. Well, good for you. I tweeted it. That's why you should, (laughs) at Fezzik Sports, you should follow me. That's right. It was, I I tweeted it. And then they played a Memphis team that even though they were a nine seed, the way, like if you said second half on, Memphis was, they would have been a a one or a two seed. Memphis was the, the second best team in the country the six weeks leading up to the tournament. So they played Houston, and then they looked like Houston was the only te- the only team that had anything for them. Yeah. But so Memphis played them tough, and still Gonzaga walks away with a win. Drew Timmy basically won that game by himself. Drew and Drew Timmy, we saw him do this last year in the tournament. There are times where he is unstoppable in the post, and Jalen Duran, the the big for Memphis, is a lottery pick. 
Drew Timmy will be lucky if he's on an NBA roster, and Drew Timmy wore him out. You know who Drew Timmy reminds me of? You. No. You at Northwestern and intramurals. <laughs> no. Although our, our, our team under Joel Cheslowski, our point guard, we um we made a deep run. In Who was the big though for you guys? I'm embarrassed to say you really. It was me. Oh, so it, what? You are Drew Timmy. And I, I and, Drew, and did I, you have a mustache? I, I still remember. And and we got to the semifinals and we played a really good team, and we got their their six four guy in foul trouble, and he got his fourth foul, and he went almost gotten kicked out of the game. He was so furious at the call because I I did the I we wanted to win. So I, I I I did the old grab the jersey and pull the guy down on top of me and flop. Oh, but did you and win? I got the call. There I got you go. His fourth then, foul. They, I mean, we they, lost by like eight. They were like twenty points better than us. That was before the flop rule existed. They, <laughs> they I made it look like he ran me over. Yeah, yeah. that's pre-flop rule. You go, do what you got to do, man. You know, pull him down by the jersey and, 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 and what, 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 whatever. Rocky Five was their team name, Northwestern. <laughs> um, where was I? I think I was talking about Drew Timmy. Oh. And Big Earn McCracken in Kingpin, mm-hmm. that's Drew Timmy. So, like, Bill Murray is only, like, the fifth best bowler in the world, according to the odds. But, like, in the moment, when it's, like, the million-dollar tournament, he, like, he... He, he rises to he the occasion. He rises to become the very top and uh, the, the heart of a champion. And so, so Drew Timmy can be flaky, but um, he can turn it on. Big earn. Yeah, and the question is, like, are they going to lean on him every game? Is he going to carry them every game? I don't know that that's possible. I mean, I've seen it enough to think that it's not impossible. There are some questions defensively on the perimeter starting to pop up for Gonzaga. They started to pop up in the first half of that Georgia State game, certainly. Um, and the guys that are the, Arkansas has a couple guys who could maybe make something happen there. Their, their guards, J.D. Note, Chris Likes. Although Note's shot sub thirty percent from the field the last six games, not good. But they, that's their best chance at offense is those two guys Doesn't lighting Arkansas it up. Doesn't Arkansas love pace though? And they, they do. Don't necessarily shoot that well. Isn't that tie they, in perfectly with what Gonzaga wants? They take a lot of bad shots, and what do bad shots lead to? Fast breaks, runouts, and what is absolute death against Gonzaga? Runouts, run and and you saw like. You you mentioned it. Arkansas they love pace when they are the fast team. When they're the rabbit, they like pace. You know, one thing I love about Arkansas is they're the only team that gets it. Like when they're up seven and there's a minute eighteen left and they get a rebound, that's probably a bad example. They do it with like fifty seconds left. But every other team they get a rebound and they've got numbers and they pull it back out. Not Arkansas. They just like like they're driving. Just go. Just go. It's 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 like Popovich. Give me pace. Give me pace. It's like we'll worry about like, like you guys aren't smart enough to figure out when to like pull the ball back out. Yeah. So we're just going to go every single time, even with 48 seconds yep. left up seven. And it's a good philosophy because you have the edge then. And Arkansas relies on getting to the basket because they take such bad shots. They they need to get to the basket. They need to get to the free throw line. They've got the fifth highest percentage of points from the free throw line in the mm-hmm. country. Unfortunately, Gonzaga's really disciplined. They are the best two-point defense in the country, the best rim defense in the country. They don't put opponents on the line. The exploitable things for Arkansas just don't exist against this team. And Muss has two really good defenders, uh, Audis Tony, who's kind of their utility tool guy, and Jalen Williams, who has good nights and bad nights as a post defender. But he's the only post defender Arkansas has. So... Musk looks down the bench. There's nobody else. 
Then he looks out on the floor and he sees, well, Gonzaga's two best players can both post up and get what they want. I've only got one guy, and he's hit and miss. I don't see where the answer is. I feel like Gonzaga is going to be able to score down low, kind of at will. Uh, you, you, I'm, we mentioned they like to push tempo, but when tempo's pushed back at them, they haven't been so good. Alabama, the, the highest tempo team in the SEC. So Arkansas has been on this great, great run. They've they've lost three games since January 12th. One of them was to Alabama, who's not great. But they're just fast. They push pace, and then. Arkansas did a great job slowing down Kentucky, slowing down Tennessee, slowing down those teams that want to play in that 60-70 possessions. But when you get into a track meet with Arkansas, they they don't they don't particularly do well with that. They are so dominant in transition Gonzaga is. I feel like there's a lot of exploitable stuff here for them. So, I'm going to say Gonzaga and and I like the over Probably more than anything, I like the Gonzaga team total over 82. Hmm. Uh, that that may be the way that I attack this game, but I, I do think the Zags have a lot of easy offense here. I tell you how I'm not going to attack this game is I'm not going to earn off my goddamn 70-1 to 1 Arkansas futures bet that everyone told me to make. They're in the Sweet 16, and you do the math, and it's like, oh, they've got like a 22% chance to win this game. Then they'll have like a 30% chance to win the next game. You see where I'm you going? You kind of got a dud draw. Like yeah. I mean, when did you get that seventy to one? That was when they had beat Kentucky, and they were they talked about how they could be a number two seed. Yeah, that's a lot of it's just luck of the draw, and Arkansas did not have much luck of the draw. Like but if it, you still go by, like if you're even if you're only like a, a two to one underdog, like three and a half point dog for the last four games, you know one third becomes one ninth becomes you know yeah. um, one twenty seventh becomes one and eighty one chance. Um, if you're an, a sizable underdog four straight games, and you got to get there first. So what you're saying is, money line rollover would have been the smart way to go. Yes, yeah. as it almost always is. Well, you Pre- teach you pre- you teach that lesson. You need to practice what you preach. I hear you, Fez. Practice what you preach. Pursuant to that, they're ten to one right now. Arkansas to win their, their get in the final four. If you if we just bet ten to one, and then if they're even money, even money, what's that twenty? That's forty to one. So. Even right now, you could get 70-1 to one with the mechanical parlay with all their advancements. Ouch. Oh, yeah. You'll get more. Yes, sir. All right. Let's go to 629-630. That is Texas Tech and Duke. Texas Tech, one-point favorites. We got ourselves a game here, fellas. Uh, the now, total I know on this I one, 137. I, I know I told you I need the rotation numbers, but I'm going to ask for a little tweak. You don't Just the, just the odd one. Just 629. Don't okay. have to give the six three zero because it's like it, it's like a six digit code where you once you have the three digits we can crack the the four five six. Okay, fair enough. But <laughs> sorry, six, okay six two nine. There we go. Texas Tech against Duke. And by the way, if you bet an over, if you ever send a text or your interview, this is a way to prevent mistakes. This is probably the most valuable thing I can give to people. If you're like interacting with people, if you bet an over, always give the odd number. Say I want six two game six two nine over. If you bet the under, say I want game six three zero under. All right, because six like on the board, the over number is on the top line under on well, the you bottom. Give either one, but here's the, the, but this will prevent you, you. If I tell him, "Hey, Mackenzie, I want the game six three zero under," I'm basically telling him bet the under twice. Okay, because I can just say bet the total, play six three zero. That's like telling him I want the under, but that prevents mistakes because in case someone accidentally over, if some this does happen sometimes, like I've worked with betting syndicates and the stuff, and someone would bet the wrong side more often than not, not on a side but on a total, they play over when we want under, and the way to prevent that is you're essentially by saying six three zero under. You're giving them an order for the under twice. Built-in redundancy. Built-in like redundancy. You'd have to be a complete 
Dumbo to get it wrong when I when I tell you six two nine over and and if you go to the window and bet under, you know what? Congratulations, root for it to win because that's your ticket, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's not my ticket anymore. Well, I lean to six three zero under uh, <laughs> in this Texas Tech Duke matchup. Duke offensively is pretty. For I mean, I've, listen. All and if RJ were here, he'd be on me right now. All due respect to Coach K. All due respect. <laughs> the offense for Duke isn't exactly like uh, a Rembrandt. This is it's very. Uh, let's up. let's run some ISO. Let's uh, let's out athlete these guys. Let's slash to the rim. Well, that's re- you can't really drive into a defense that you can't drive into. It's mm. it's it's like. Uh, you know how outside of a, a mall, like outside, they've got those posts that, like, be, before you go into the entrance, there's like concrete pillars to keep me from, like, you know, to keep you from driving truck. To yes, go, to go in and smash the place. That's Texas Tech's defense. You can't, <laughs> you can't just drive your truck up to the uh, the front door of of, of J.C. Penney. It doesn't work that way with Texas Tech. So that means Duke's going to have to be a jump shooting team. I don't love it. A.J. Griffin is. Uh, a lottery pick. He's their best shooter, 46% three-point shooter on the season. Since the calendar flipped to March, he's a 32% shooter. And he left the Michigan State game with an ankle injury. I don't even know if he's going to play. So if you're saying their best shooter is... How many points per game? Do we, iffy to play? Do we? Is Griffin worth... Is he like the number three score? I think he's their number two score. Number two. And a lot of mocks, he just passed Paolo, or at least one mock, he passed Paolo, Paolo Banchero as the first Duke taken yeah, off the Yeah, Banchero board. was like, early in the season was maybe, like, they were like, Banchero or Holmgren, number one pick overall. And now A.J. Griffin's like, well, Banchero's not even the best guy on Duke for the mm. NBA. Um, so he's a major factor, and he's got a history of lower leg injuries. He had it in high school. So there's concern there. And Texas Tech doesn't make anything easy on you. Duke lives on athleticism. Tech, one of the best ISO defenses in the country. So, and Duke has what it takes to, to beat that if everything goes right. But everything's not going all right right now. I just don't trust them the way things are going. Phony cover against Michigan State. If you watch yep. the game, it was a very tight game. And Duke deserved to win by three, not to cover, you know, in the, the minus six. And I saw a tweet last night that blew my mind. Uh, Jared Burson on Twitter, I want to give him credit. Um, he said 17 of Tech's 24 opponents this season. So they've played 24 unique opponents. Mm -hmm. 17 of their opponents have been held to their lowest points in the paint total of the season. Mm. So they're giving you nothing at the basket. 17 out of 24. That's just an absurd number to me. Like, so when you play Texas Tech, you basically just say, we're not getting points in the paint. Got to shoot over them. We've got to shoot over them. I don't trust Duke to do it. Uh, I like Texas Tech here. I like the I like 6-3-0 under in this game as well. And I like 6-2-9 Texas Tech. All right, we're on, we're on the same page. Minus the one. By the way, you can get minus 115. Minus 115 is better than minus one. Uh, minus 120 is not. All right, so shop accordingly. In order, again, minus 115, then minus one, lay a dollar 10, then minus a dollar 20, if I had to choose. The this Duke team, going back a long way under Coach K, 
has had a lot of problems when they travel a long way away from home. And the big dance, this is from ESPN. Uh, Brad Powers did alert me to it, so let me accredit it to him. Uh, 0-5 in the big dance when playing in the West Coast. So Duke, uh, I think part of that, Duke is a popular team amongst some. Sure. Very unpopular amongst others. A lot of Duke haters out there as well. It's Alabama football. Yeah, it's exactly. Or Notre Dame football. Exactly. So Duke is not in any friendly confines. And, and think about it, most of the draws early in the tournament get to go ahead and play, you know, in in, in when the Carolinas or somewhere close to home. Well, now when, when they go out west, 0-5. Coach K has never won a big dance game, West Coast time, and uh, their margin of loss, eight points. Uh, I want no part of the Dukies here. I like Texas Tech. And, in fact, Texas Tech minus one is my best bet. Put me down for minus 115 because that is available on the screen. So just all I need is Tech to win outright. All right. I like it. I endorse it completely. 629 Texas Tech minus one. 629 Moneyline, we'll call that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like that 630 under as well. Uh, all right. Let's shift to the Friday games. North Carolina, 631 North Carolina. They are plus two and a half against UCLA, total 141 and a half. You know, I got all the checks here. I like North Carolina. Um, no, it's not, I'm, I don't want to say it that way. I, I want to bet against UCLA. Uh, I think North Carolina, probably a little overrated. I don't think they're all that good. And they played some very good games lately, which might, you'd think, would make them expensive. However, they're not expensive. They're catching two and a half. Why? Because they're playing a public team, UCLA, that made a Final Four appearance last year. But where are the check marks? Well, the ACC, uh, conference versus conference. I've got an eight and two against the spread conference against a team that belongs to that West Coast Jumanji that is one and 11 against the spread. So that check for the ACC. Health, UCLA, not good. Injuries, Johnny Juzang has not been the same. Dudes, their leading scorer, has been averaging 16 per game during the regular season. Last five games when he should be stepping it up. He can't step it up because he's clearly not 100%. He has scored 6, 10, 16, and then in the big dance, 9 and 14. So I don't think he's 50%, but I think he's 80%, not 100. And now some might say the best player is a Joaquin. Hawkes. 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 Excuse me. Um has 30 minutes. He's their number two scorer, 14 points per game. Some might say he's the most important player and is he even going to play? Probably. Yeah. Is it going to be I would assume. close to 100%? No. Yeah. So uh, this is a game I'm sure Ken Palm probably makes UCLA more like maybe a four-point favorite. They do exactly that. Uh, I don't think they're, they're adjusting for these injuries because he's – and I don't think they're adjusting enough for the venue, which is very pro-North Carolina because it's all the way back in Philadelphia on the East Coast. Carolina wins this game. I like Carolina. I'm going to make North Carolina plus 2.5 my best bet. Uh, I think this is uh, what we've seen is two dominant showings in a row from North Carolina. And you would say dominant. They went to overtime against Baylor. They dominated Baylor. And a series of events happened in that game that let Baylor get back into things. First, Brady Manick gets ejected. If You can argue that it, it should have happened, shouldn't have happened. I, I don't know. And he was having a great game. Dominating. And from the moment he goes out, it's a different game. And Baylor played, they, like, they were getting away with everything. It's like the refs were saying, 
well, if, if they do it on every play, it can't be a foul. No, it was there, there were a lot of fouls happening here. And ironically, Caleb Love, the ball handler for North Carolina, he fouled out of the game. And North Carolina, where they're not, they're not a deep team, period. But they particularly don't have a lot of ball handlers. And Baylor figured it out. It was like one of those Squid Game episodes yep. early on where the contestants realized, oh, it's legal to go ahead and just do whatever you they're want gonna to They're not going to call it. Opponent. Let's do it. Yeah, you can do whatever you want to your opponents. There's no repercussions. So they pressed, and you know North Carolina wilted a little bit under that. And my, they were down to like five players at that point. So that's going to happen. I lost a big bet. You could probably guess what it was on this on that game. The under? Baylor money line in overtime. Baylor minus 195 overtime. I, 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 I thought Baylor would win that overtime. I said, this is the dumbest line I've ever seen. There is no way Carolina is going to win this game. And then they did. Yeah. They had a big three to start overtime that kind of righted the ship. So Carolina, they've got a ton of size and switchability, and they – it feels like they're kind of turning into what I thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season, which was like probably not a national championship team, but it's a lot better than what we saw most of this season where we're like, ooh, is Carolina even going to make the tournament? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that like we've, we've seen them develop. They've gotten a lot better defensively in recent weeks, and I'm just not into UCLA. I've said it all season long. I've, I've had to eat some crow on it. They're better than I thought they were, but I thought last year was a lucky run. I still think they're kind of getting by on that. I think they're they're expensive because of that. Well, they're good when they play USC because all these West Coast teams are, are garbage. By the way, A plus McKenzie, forgetting that I just raised your power rating five. <laughs> nice, thank you, man. But UCLA's draw so far: Akron and St. Mary's, two teams that just could not match up with them physically from a physicality standpoint. Akron did just fine, though. Uh, they did, they yeah, they did, <laughs> but they couldn't. Ma- they, phys- sure. From a physical standpoint, UCLA was able to c- just kind of bully those teams. You're not bullying this North Carolina team. These are a bunch of grown-ass men. And UCLA, by Pac-12 standards, really good rebounding team. I got news for you. There's not going to be a lot of second chances against this North Carolina team. They are elite on the boards, as as per usual. Feel the heel, Bruins. Feel it. North Carolina, 40-plus rebounds in five of their last seven games. So you take away those second-chance points— Good luck. And you mentioned, you know, the the guys for Juzang, Hawkes. Juzang, they're going to throw Leaky Black at him, which Leaky Black is a guy who's on the floor for literally one thing only, and that's to defend your best guy. Hmm. And he's he, he he's a, almost a zero on offense. They don't care. They say you, we got we already got that. You go stop him. We'll do the rest. This North Carolina team, I would argue, looking up and down. At these teams, if you said every team is playing their best possible ball, like the 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 peak of their abilities, I would say Gonzaga, Arizona, North Carolina, like that's where that's where their talent ranks. We haven't seen it all season long, but I think that's what they're capable of, and it looks like they're really close to that right now. Uh, so, and here's the other thing: UCLA not going to beat you from three. That's where North Carolina could be in trouble because if if teams are, you know are are shooting the lights out. Okay, that that's a struggle for them. This UCLA team doesn't shoot a lot of threes. They were the worst three-point shooting team in the Pac-12. It's just not in their DNA. North Carolina plus two and a half going to be my best bet. Excellent. All right, let's go to ugh, six three three, Saint Peter's. 
against Purdue. Purdue, 12 and a half point favorites, a total 135, Fez. I'm going to lean to St. Peter's, and here's why. So Purdue, in the first round, they get to play close to home. They get to play in Milwaukee. I imagine that's probably like a four-hour drive from uh, West Lafayette. And now the venue obviously favors St. Peter's because, you know, they're in Jersey, so they can't be very far from Philly. And I'm sure anyone in that Philly area is going to back the underdogs. So it's one of those games that will get rated as a neutral, but I think a very big advantage to St. Peter's. I do have a question for McKenzie. I always struggled with this. When I'm driving up, and I'm sure you've done this a couple times, if I have to go to the north side of Chicago, far north, and I'm driving up from Indiana, do I go through the city of Chicago or do I take 294 all the hell around? You have to go through the city of Chicago. Maybe on some days on a Friday afternoon, it'll take a little bit longer. But you know where I'm going with this. You're going straight down Lakeshore Drive for the line of lake, final leg of that trip. And that's a view and an experience that I wish on every one of our listeners. You got to check out Lakeshore Drive. Greatest street in the world. Some say New York, West Side Avenue's up there. No, Lakeshore Drive. Cruising on down Lakeshore Drive. Tomorrow is another day. LSD, Lakeshore Drive, one of the, the one of the underrated songs that everyone in Chicago knows of, but you probably don't know that. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I've Mackenzie, never taken you Lake of Shore course Drive. know LSD, right? hundred percent. Water yes. on the driver's side. Pretty blue lights along the way, helping you right on by the pretty blue <laughs> lights are a reference to the police cars on Lakeshore Drive, by the way. Pretty okay. blue lights. Well, there you go. So it, it it's a good song to play. At it's four o'clock in the morning and all the people have gone away. <laughs> You and me on Lakeshore Drive. Tomorrow is another day. Okay, I'm done with that. <laughs> I question how much home court there is for St. Peter's. Their enrollment's like 2,300 kids. Oh, but it's the it, it, it's the person without the dog in the fight. It's the person. when. Do you think all those people rooting for Rocky Balboa were Rocky Balboa fans? Or Creed haters. They, is that what you're saying? Yes. You know what? You, you, you get behind. The, those people are for you, Rock. And those people will be for anybody with a little 15 penciled next to their seed number against a Midwestern team that has stumbled far, far away from home. Yeah, the the other two, uh, I, I mean, I think Purdue will have a, a good contingency there, but UCLA, North Carolina, I expect them to be firmly represented as well. Like, it, it, there's some, I mean, obviously those two blue bloods, Purdue not a blue blood, but they'll they'll have a crowd. I, just, I It feels like it matters less to me. This it boils down to St. Peter's played the best offensive game of the season against Kentucky. Uh, we've been looking at this site uh, at shot quality and did really digging into it a little bit more. Shot quality had them losing that game <laughs> by 22 points. Layup drill. I mean, Kentucky missed layups all day. Kentucky missed free throws all day. And then shot quality said that they should have lost to Murray as well. Yeah. They, they, so Is that right? Yeah. So this St. Peter's team, things are just falling their way right now. But now they face another team like Kentucky that had massive physical edges, but one that just plays much cleaner offense. Purdue is, is so slick on offense. All the things I talked about last week, and listen, I'll eat shit when I have to. Kentucky being my best bet on the, the first round pod disastrous there's no way around it but what i said was going to happen that st peter's physically had no uh, no answer for oscar shibway was absolutely right 30 points 16 rebounds 
11 of 16 from the field, 12 free throw attempts. Something tells me Zach Eady or, or Travion Williams, one of the two bigs for Purdue or both, are going to have a very similar line. And I think Ivy's a little bit faster than the St. Peter's players also. I, I think that he could be a factor as well. The Purdue, the Purdue bigs are just physically overwhelming to a small Peacock front court. And here's another thing. Purdue gets to the line. 46 free throws in that game against Texas. 46. Would Texas get like 14? Something like that. Yeah, that's but that's, that's the problem, though. Purdue, they're, like, when you've got a small front court, like Texas does, like St. Peter's does, and you've got to defend these two giants. This isn't like Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, who are two good post players. Yeah. These are two giant men. A lot of it comes down to everyone slapping at Edie, and do they call that or do they not call? Yes, it? you know, it, it's like it's like Shaq in the middle, right? Yeah, that's exactly. It, well, I wouldn't quite call. I, I don't want to compare Zach Edie to Shaq, sure. but yes, the the way they call it is, is is a big factor. You could call a foul on every play or not. Yes, call it. right. And St. Peter's. 348th in opponent free throw rate. They send guys to the line. That's what they like. I mentioned that they did it against Kentucky. Kentucky just didn't make a free throw to save their life. Um, Purdue lives at the free throw line. And in their in St. Peter's three games against high major competition, St. John's, Providence, Kentucky, opponents took just under 30 free throws per game. So if you're going to put them on the line 30 times, boy, that's that's scary for me. Uh, I also think the buzz that's now, I, I mean, it, it's basically decided that Shaheen Holloway is going to be the next coach at Seton Hall. Kevin Willard did him no favors by by recommending him on his mm-hmm. way out the door. Mm-hmm. So now you got a St. Peter's team who's, this is the greatest time of their lives, and now they can't stop hearing about their coach possibly leaving. And there's always the, I never like the fact of the team comes, they go to the tournament, St. Peter's, and they're all in knowing that that is their final four because they're not going to be able to advance in this tournament. Somehow they do. I can only imagine the blood alcohol levels that this team blew on Sunday night coming home. So, and and especially with when you're talking about Seton Hall, you're talking about your coaches leaving you for a team uh, of guys that these guys didn't they Seton Hall didn't want them. That's why they're that's why they're at St. Peter's cuz Seton mm-hmm. Hall said, eh, "No thanks." So, I just think it's it's a kick in the balls to them and I've been burned by, uh, clearly burned by the magical moment of St. Peter's. It, it just can't last forever. And I, the physical matchups in this game are just too much for me. So I, I like Purdue in this game. I'm not laying 12 and a half. I, I don't blame you. I, I don't blame you. But it, this is a. Especially a team that doesn't play defense. What will happen is Purdue will shoot 44 free throws. And they'll only make 28 of them, and you'll blame the non-cover on you know the what? bad free throw shooting. You know, you're right. Then maybe the way for me to attack this game is to look at the Purdue team total over. Hmm. Uh, so maybe that's that's what I'll uh, – McKenzie, can you find that for me real quick? That may be a yep. better thing than for me to, to lay 12 and a half because I know Purdue's going to get theirs. I know they are. Uh, they're just – they're too good, they're too big, and they're not going to do the – nonsense that Kentucky did in that same situation. Looking at 73 and a half over under for Purdue. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, I'll take over Doesn't that seem like... That seems low, doesn't it? How are they not going to get 73? What's the total on this game? It's 135, which is low for an average Purdue game. But St. Peter's in the analytics is way up there defensively, but... I, I don't believe against this competition. We saw them, they gave up in the 90s against St. John's and Providence early this season. Again, it, it, the Kentucky game 
was the biggest anomaly, and it's changed everyone's mind about what the baseline of St. Peter's is. So I'm just I'm fading that. That's it. Well, All right. What, what what am I doing wrong in this? It should be 74 to the total in the game's currently what? 135. So it should be 74 61. So I so okay, and it's 12 and a half points. You're right. All right. Yep. 73 and a half. I'll take it. 635 Providence plus seven and a half against Kansas. Total in this one, 141 and a half. Sometimes it's good to be bad. And I think that's what we've seen from Providence, that the word got out and how overrated Providence was. To be fair, the word was out how overrated Wisconsin was. Sure. And they're they're long gone in this tournament. But um Providence has consistently gotten zero respect. They're getting zero respect here. And I tell you what, KU got a dream draw. Easy, easy peasy into the Sweet 16. Got to beat up on a 16, and then they get to beat up on Creighton, missing their two best players. Yep. But they don't beat up on Creighton. It's a tough game, and they only win by seven. Uh, this Providence squad's way better than that Creighton team that I think you mentioned is an NIT team without their players. Providence is not an NIT team. Providence is like the 30th best team in the country. Seven and a half looks attractive to me. Yeah, I like Providence plus seven and a half. And this is the role where they've kind of thrived all season. As an underdog this year, Providence eight and one against the spread. That's pretty impressive in its own right. They're also seven and two straight up. The, the that's unbelievable. Their only ATS loss this year as an underdog came against Villanova, where they were four point underdogs, lost by five. That game was tied with like a minute and a half. A minute, ago. yep. They were right there in it. They, and you know, another game, and this seems similar to me, is they were they're catching like ten in that second game against Nova regular season. Lost by two. They hung in there very yeah. nicely. Yes. Yeah, and they've got straight up wins over Wisconsin, Texas Tech, UConn. They're, they're, it's not like they haven't played anybody. They've gone out and they've played good teams. They're they're good, and I think the fact that they're one of the most experienced teams in the country. Ken Palm has them sixth in experience. They're all juniors and seniors. They they play one sophomore in rotation. I think they just kind of have figured out what it takes to win close games and to win big games. I think there is something to that. And you mentioned Kansas looked terrible against a Creighton team that was without their point guard, Nimhard, and without their best offensive-slash-defensive player in Ryan Kalkbrenner. That was a one-point game with just over a minute to go. Kansas looked miserable against five, four guys from Creighton. It's like four and a half guys from Creighton. You know, is it me or does every like Kansas like post game like um, when they look at the coach and the players, the coach is like consoling his players after they win. It's like it's okay, we advance. Yeah, you know, we survive in up. advance. You know, like like we 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 know we stunk it up, but hey, we 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 got the W. It's almost like you know, it's it's like Apollo Creed in. Rocky two, where he's talking to his to, to his um, entourage, and he's like, "Do you think I won the fight?" And there's a long pause, and his head guy says, "You got the decision. You well, advanced. There you go. You That's got it. the decision." <laughs> and I, I think Providence the the line in the first round was disrespectful to them, being what a two point favorite against sure. a Summit League team. Money comes on Providence, closes three. Okay, yeah, and then Richmond who. Not it shouldn't be a tournament team. Had they not won the Atlantic Ten, they wouldn't have been a tournament team. Maybe wouldn't have been an NIT team, mm-hmm. and they blow them out of the water. Like they, it, Providence took them to it took a behind the woodshed, Fez. So it, now 
seven and a half here. I just feel like at some point we have to start giving Providence some kind of respect. I agree. So I, I like Providence here in this spot. I, I think that that number is way too high. Kansas offense, still elite. They're going to be good. They're always going to be good, uh, which makes me lean to the over. I think Kansas's defense is vulnerable, especially based on that performance against Creighton, a bad offensive team to begin with. And then uh, without their two best offensive players, woof. So uh, I, it, Providence and the over are the ways I'm looking in that game. All right, let's get to our last game of the Sweet 16. 6-3-7, Iowa State plus two and a half against Miami. Total sitting at 133. Is that down to two now? But there's twos and two and a halves out there. Okay, but an interesting line move. So let me talk about the line move. So it opens pick, and the entire sharp world loves Miami. Yep. All but one dude, all right? So it, it, it gets bet up to two and a half, and threes are starting to pop up. And then today, this morning— That one, dude shows up. One well-respected handicapper that's done really well over the past 20 years. Has he gone to med school? He doesn't technically have an MD. Okay, but <laughs> it's right? that guy? He's not a doctor, okay. yes, but he's very respected in the market. Gave out Iowa State. So that knocked it down— to one and a half in some places. What's interesting is all the dudes that like wanted to bet Miami of Florida but couldn't lay the one and a half were like, thank you very much. And they came in and invested in Miami then. So a uh, whole lot of money on Miami. Uh, the, t- the case for Iowa State is, I think, some hidden home field advantage. The games in Chicago, I am sure the crowd, I was pretty close to Chicago. The crowd will be behind the Midwestern team regardless. The neutral crowd will root absolutely for Iowa State here. Um, and they'll, you know, they'll have some well, fans there. Maybe, but remember that Kansas and Iowa State are their conference, conference rivals. I'm guessing the Kansas fans aren't going to cheer for Iowa State. I, you know, I don't know if Iowa State even makes the radar. They had, you know, they're so low in terms of the basketball. I can see the Kansas fans. Like not cheering for some other programs. Iowa State had that one home run year where they got cheated by the committee and they had to play. They lost. They were two seed and they lost to Michigan State. You remember that game? It was I in do Michigan. That. Yeah. And and the refs cheated them also. Yeah. Iowa State outplayed them and the dude f- fell into the, the lane violation. Mm, like, sounds like the Davidson Michigan State game. It was. I mean, it was. It, <laughs> it, Iowa State could have won the champ the national title that year. That was their home run team. But maybe that maybe you know maybe that's that's true that the Kansas fans, um, you know, won't be eager. Uh, let me look at the times. That's the second game, so the Kansas fans are going to stick around. Uh, well, if they win, if they if they lose, they may yeah. they may head out. Good seats available if that if that happens, no doubt about it. Uh, look at, but you know, I, I I looked at Miami. I like the fact, obviously, the ACC undervalued eight and two against the spread. But now look at this, and one game stands out to me: the USC game could have gone either way. Miami. Shot 7% from three-pointers. One for 14, and USC went nine for 20, and USC lost. Yep. That tells me that Miami kicked USC's butt, you know, and it just was – but no one noticed because there's so many games going on. Now, mind you, like Miami shot poorly because Miami sucks at shooting. Like that's something we have to – because I've heard this this uh, this narrative now that what, – What were they year-to-date from three? Uh, better than – obviously better 33? than – 33? Yeah, probably. It, they, but that's it's not a strength of theirs. It's not something that they even do, really. It's but, not their DNA. But if you told me – I'm betting on USC and Miami shooting 14 threes, and you say, oh, they made three or four of them. You're like, good. They only made yeah. three or four. One uh, is ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. And Miami, what they did – what really impresses me is – they did it against USC and Auburn 
two like what their offense is is basically just get to the basket, dr- slash drive, get to the basket, get get shots around the basket. USC has elite size inside. Auburn has elite size inside. They did it against those teams. Bad matchups, and they shot seven percent, and then twenty. They shot twenty percent from three against Auburn, and they win by eighteen. That's a team. There's a team with two impressive wins, or well, two two wins, one very impressive where they couldn't shoot a lick. Yeah, that's a buy-on team. So uh, I, I did not get a medical degree. I would value <laughs> Miami in this game. Yeah, Iowa State is not elite size down low. They they are 217th in two point percentage allowed. They don't have a middle clogging big. Their defensive success is, and they're a really good defensive team, mind you. It's all predicated on turnovers. They are fourth nationally enforcing turnovers. Miami has guys one through four on the court at all times who can handle the ball, and often they go to a five-guard lineup. They are sixth nationally in turnover rate on offense. They don't turn the ball over. So that takes away everything that you've got if you're Iowa State. You can't defend the rim. Miami doesn't turn it over. This is a nightmare matchup, and Iowa State's been fortunate to play two bad offensive teams so far in this tournament. That were compromised as well. LSU without their coach and Wisconsin without their point guard. Yep, so you're you're talking about two bad offenses, ugly grind games. That's what Iowa State's all about because their offense is garbage. So this is the best matchup on paper of the tournament so far for Miami and the worst matchup on paper so far for Iowa State. We have a consensus. We're on Miami minus the two, right? Minus two. Yep. And that, that two is is widely available. So there's two and a halfs out there. Uh, if you like, if if you want to listen to the doctor, if you if you're gonna follow will, doctor's I orders. Say, I, I will say if, if you wanna if you wanna you know go ahead and drink the NyQuil, drink it right before you go to sleep and and get three. I'd be shocked if you don't get three in this game. I think all the big money is gonna Keep going to come back on Miami based upon all the reasons we gave. Uh, a money line of 135. Is that minus me, 135? Yeah, give me minus two to minus 135. Which side has the uh, the better value there? Well, I'm kind of like in you know, in the movie Roots, they like go back, like, and, and a guy has the entire family history memorized, but he mm-hmm. has to do it in chronological chronological order or he can't do it. You ever see Roots? I have, yeah, so um. The same. I'm the same way. I got to. I got to. So I start with minus one fifteen is the best. Okay. okay. Then I go to minus one, lay a dollar ten. Then I go to minus uh, one twenty. Now I got minus one twenty five is about the same as minus one and a half, lay a dollar ten. Okay. Okay. I can say we're gonna see we're getting there. So then minus one thirty. Then I would actually lay minus one thirty five, and then I'd lay minus two, lay a dollar ten. So minus one thirty five. I would say is superior to minus two lay a dollar ten. Okay, well there you have it. I got friends. there. I'm sorry. That's I, all right. I have hey, to man. write it in order. It's good for the people to hear that as well. So, uh, so that that's the recommendation there. Then is minus one thirty five on the money line for Miami. Although I, I'll be honest, this matchup just screams to me like I, I could see Miami winning this game by double digits. To be honest, so I, I I'm tempted to just lay the points anyway. I, I don't see. Any matchup advantages in this in this game for Iowa State, which kind of scares me a little bit. Um, 
And I, I'll be honest, I, I lost with uh, Wisconsin against Iowa State. I thought Iowa State was, or I thought Wisconsin because they don't turn the ball over either. Mm-hmm. But then Wisconsin without a point guard, meh. And God, don't you hate it when like you lose with an unathletic team like a Wisconsin? Yeah, you're watching these guys and you're like, and you're like, why did I lay points? With I these? could, I could hang with these guys for a half. Why did I lay? Well, because. It's four rec league guys and an NBA guy yeah. with, with Wisconsin, which is Johnny Davis. Yeah, which not, is, not 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 the current Johnny Davis. That well, I'm watching not that Johnny the, Davis. The current but, Johnny Davis is is not going to make the um, uh, the D League if he doesn't get his act together. Yeah, so it's it's basically four rec league guys and a first team All American, which mm-hmm. makes people go, oh well, at least they've got that first team All American. Iowa State doesn't even have that. Well, th- yeah, you, you saw how it went. Uh, all right. That'll do it for the Sweet 16 episode. Uh, do you have it? You know, I guess let's do this. Let's let's give our predictions on who's going to be in the Final Four, who's going to be around next week. We, we've given you who we think will win these games, but let's give an idea of who we think advances uh, going forward from here, Fez. So Houston, Arizona, Michigan, Villanova. Uh, I know you like Houston and you lean to Villanova on the number, so I assume you think Houston and Villanova advance. Who do you have in your Final Four from that uh, South region? Houston. Okay. And the West, we've got Arkansas, Gonzaga. You said you you weren't going to lay nine, but I I know you're not taking Arkansas there. And then you like Texas Tech over Duke, so Gonzaga or Texas Tech in Texas the Final Tech. Four. Oh, good fez. North Carolina, UCLA, Purdue, St. Peter's. You liked. Uh, you, I think you like North. Do you like North Carolina to win the game outright? North Carolina, North and North Carolina over Purdue all the way. Yes. And then Kansas, Providence. I don't know if you're getting to Providence on the money line, but do you like uh, Kansas or Miami in the final four? By default, they got to buy into the final four. We'll take Rock Chalk Jayhawk, the only number one seed. To uh, t- to make it with um, upsets abounding this tournament. When's the last time? Maybe I mean it's probably uh, not just like a quick research, Mackenzie. If you could find the last time a one seed didn't make the final four, that'd be interesting. I'm gonna go with. Man, I, I'm still scared to bet off of Arizona. I'll stick with Arizona. I'll stick with Gonzaga. I'll go with North Carolina too. And I, I think I've got the same the same as you because I think Kansas beats Providence, but I think that game is really close. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that could be our buzzer beater game. I've been waiting for a buzzer beater game. That USC game almost had one. The USC Miami game, uh, they're from half court down two, and he heaves it off the glass, front really? rim and out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was as close as it could get without going in. That would have been the the moment. Uh, but we still haven't had a buzzer beater in this tournament. So Arizona missed their dunk by. You know, I, I I don't understand this. Like everyone's like, why did dude have to dunk it? I would think that the dunk would be the fastest way to get it out of your hands because you can go flying in full speed. If you make a layup, you got to slow up. Right? I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, so I, the only other alternative would have been like basically fifteen footer stopping yeah. at the free throw line and and, yeah. and letting it go. And then which... you're like, and that's almost like it, it's such a violation of basic strategy because just having to. T- Contemplate that in the in the spur of the moment. It's going to cost you 0.2 seconds of speed. Yeah, just put your head down, go and dunk, and uh, and let the chips fall as they may. Right. By the way, to answer your question, the last time zero number ones made it was the year after that famous Butler shot off the glass, just missed in 2010, 2011. Butler made it back as an eight seed, VCU as an 11 seed, UConn won it as a three seed, and Kentucky was a four seed. Hmm. 
I remember that one very well because I was in attendance for those games. That Final Four was in Houston, so that was a. Uh, I, I should have. I should have had not that have answer. Remembered it so well. <laughs> I should have. I should have had that answer in my own head there. So, uh, all right, Fez, great job as always, Mackenzie. Thank you for getting that work done really quickly. Thanks to all you guys for listening, and we will see you back next week for the Final Four, baby. Hey.